Hello, my name is Jeffrey Patrone, and on today's episode of Cannabis, Cocktails, and Cinema, we are discussing chapter 14 of FX's Legion, or no, Holly's Legion, but that isn't important. This is a content warning, and the content that we are warning you that we're going to be discussing over the course of this episode is the subject matter of things from suicide, to put it quite plainly, uh, police violence, mental illness, substance use, sexual assault, systemic racism, and fascism, which isn't... The laugh is more out of despair um, that somehow, even in this discussion because of the fact of how systemic racism is, in fact, systemic. It was not originally part of my content warning notes, but I have added it now as I am now talking. But in all seriousness, another thing that is going to sound like a joke, but isn't, is we also bring up in relation to Fargo Season 4, the character of Gaetano, which is a whole other discussion, and also Gaetano having Mussolini's teeth, and I just find it a little odd, someone having someone's teeth. So have that as well, which, not a bit, just a content warning. It's a heavy episode, but it's also something that we had a... We enjoyed recording, but also we understand if listening to this is not the greatest option for every person, because it isn't. And for those people, we love you, and you're out. But for the people who are listening, here's the episode, and enjoy. But if not, have an amazing day, because you're, once again, incredibly valid. All right, listen here, you, you you, you little punk-ass shit, fucker, valid motherfucker. We're recording inside of an undisclosed... Well, I mean, I'll just say it. Uh, today we're recording from sunny... Well, not really sunny. The people won't. They can't tell. Um, we're recording from Washington Rock. New, we're just... We're on top of, you know, the lookout that... General Washington had during that old Revolutionary War, and on today's episode, we're taking an inward look into the mind, into the multiverse, into the train that's coming our way on another fucking episode of Well Tales with, I don't know, a rambling jerk and a wild malachi. Hello. Hi. Uh, we're going to be talking about Legion today, which I have not watched. Today we're talking about Legion Season 2, Episode 6, or Chapter 14, because Noah Holly is a pretentious son of a bitch. It'd be like that. I'm on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you stole Gaetano from my mind. <laughs> um, I have okay, not watched the show, clear, but I'm semi-familiar. I don't familiar. actually think that. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. I don't... Please, no one commit me. (laughs) Like you would be if you were in Legion. Because I believe that's how the show starts, if I'm... Yes, 
Actually, that is correct. So what we're doing in this pre-show is, or what I'm going to do, is just give you a little bit of a backstory leading up to this kind of moment. Which Okay. So David Holler is the main character, and at this point in time in the show, you don't really know who his actual parents are. He had foster parents, and he is shown in a montage at the beginning of the show. So basically just, he has the onset of both mental illness and his mutant powers at about the same time, and it's this weird, confusing mix that is kind of the theme throughout the show of basically uh, various sides arguing over, like, we want to use his power, because, and then justifying it by being like, well, we need to have you, you're not mentally ill at all, and then one being like, actually, you don't have power, well, they tried to trick him initially by saying he doesn't have powers and that he's just mentally ill, but that is immediately falls through. Um, but the reason why people are kind of very desperate to have him, I guess, as a puppet, because um, this show is not really, it's a, it's kind of a dark show to a degree, but not, I'm presenting it weirdly. I'm sorry. Uh, you're fine. Uh, I'm I'm aware of because I'm a comic nerd. I'm aware he's of the son. He's the son yeah. of Professor X, and also yeah. there's some weird stuff because he was a rich. So his mother is written as being like the survivor of the Holocaust, and I think that's kind of what they imply for in this. Except they do an interesting thing in this show. Um, do you mind if I spoil it? But it's like. It's really interesting because it's something that... Just relating this to other X-Men media, like... Uh, okay, the X-Men movies are very hit or miss, and some of them are made by a piece of shit yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, but, like, X-Men... X-Men First and Class, the other I one, love how, like, Magneto... The same fucking movie, sorry. Like, Magneto is, like, a survivor of the Holocaust. He was, like, used in, like, Nazi experiments. I love yeah. that shit. I love... Yeah. Because it makes sense for, like, how you could get to that anger that Magneto has. I don't like when people compare Magneto to Malcolm X. I feel like if you try to too hard press... I think that's just a forced the, comparison because people yeah. love comparing people to Malcolm to Sorry, to MLK and Charles Xavier was just, like, big to do that. And it's just, like, not even that doesn't even quite fit. I, people, I don't know. I can people love see to be people, like... Ah, uh, yes, there are two wolves inside of you. <laughs> I could see why people make the comparison, but we should never write characters like that. Not because yeah. we shouldn't write characters based on real-life figures. Uh, I don't think that we, should, we shouldn't do that. But what we shouldn't do is use people's oppression as the narrative, because uh, most of the people who are writing X-Men, white. Usually yeah. white men. No, have to really deal with anti-blackness as like a white dude, yeah, uh, or just a white person in general. And yeah. so I feel like it's a very risky space when we have white people writing characters that are analogous to like the black experience. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think when you have black characters who are like stand-ins for a wider black movement and yeah. better mutants, that works. I think queer experiences work better because there's a wide variety of peoples in that group that can't I, I feel like that works better i i don't yeah. think yeah sorry so 
what I find interesting, so what a lot of the show revolves around is in the first season, he had, how do I say this? It's revealed that David's memories are very inconsistent because his memories have been altered by someone named the Shadow King, who's basically, mm-hmm. who lives in his, inside of his head, kind of like a mental parasite, um, analogous to a tapeworm. Um, he's compared to a tapeworm in the show. And uh, the guy is called Amal Farouk. It's a slight variation from the comics where Amal Farouk is a guy who the Shadow King possessed, and the Shadow King and Amal Farouk are two different entities, but that's a whole other kind of thing that's come and gone in continuity. Uh, mm-hmm. But the guy who, in the second season, you finally see Amal Farouk's real face, although in season one he's played, technically played by Aubrey Plaza at periods. I'm trying to be vague while also giving context. Yeah, um, that's fair. Sorry um, for being too specific, though. Um, what you have is a very interesting thing in the second season where um, the thing with Amal Farouk is he is, I believe, played by an Iranian actor, Iranian-American. I could be wrong, but I, it's a really great performance, and he speaks several different languages, in, uh, including Farsi, uh, including German even. I think there's some French. Um, like, it's, he's, it's a really great performance, but he makes a point of being like, well, you know, uh, your dad, he came to my country, Morocco, and, like, why exactly does he think he knows better than what I'm doing, you know? This fucking British asshole. It's, it comments slightly on the kind of slightly imperialistic nature of, of Charles Xavier and some interpretations of him, which I find incredibly interesting. Um, like the darker sides of Charles Xavier, which have been, I think, also explored in things like Jonathan Hicks, Hickman's uh, Stuff in X-Men, which I also have enjoyed what I've read, but I need to read more of. Malachi, any thoughts? On what I've um, done, because I've been rambling. No, you're fine. I've been paying attention. End my existence. Uh, pain. It's pain. No, no end of existence. Um, I I do like the having someone being like like actually having the representation of like yeah. an Iranian actor to yeah. instead of having some generic sane looking white and, guy. I assume. Yeah, and now I remember because <laughs> that's what I mean. The character is, I think, sometimes been more of a character caricature but i remember where this is going so what happens at the end of season two is interesting because how do i say this there's this constant thing of him being built up as a god who can do anything that he wants and then he does something really 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 shitty that if i said i'd have to do a content warning on oh and it's how do i say this he go how do i think the show plays him distinctly as a if you're being generous, anti-hero, into this straight-up villain, which is interesting, um, what they do, because it has a lot of horror elements at times. But this is, before all of that dark shit really happens, Yeah. Um, but it's not like it isn't there, and this is just the main character just thinking about all the different other possibilities that could have happened, all the various outcomes, just kind of overanalyzing his life, which I think we all can relate to at this point in time. Yeah, I also, I genuinely really like the idea of, like, superheroes with, like, not just 
character typing people with mental illness and like coding it, but like actually like portraying mental illness, I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because like for instance, there's a lot of coding in Batman comics that certain characters have certain mental disorders. But instead yeah. of actually like grappling with a lot of that stuff, like we never see like a human moment of like the Riddler dealing with like uh like obsessive compulsive disorder. Or yeah. he, like we never actually see like also, that outside of him being like insane, like just having a yeah. genuine like human moment with someone who's like mentally ill in a comic really hasn't happened a lot. Also, two things that I think might get you to want to watch Fargo. Oh. I have have you watched any of Boardwalk Empire? I have not. I don't watch okay, a lot of TV. Mind. No, that was just going to be a random thing that is unrelated, but the same person, the person who plays this character who I'm going to talk about also plays a, a significant character, although it's not like the most important character, but a really standout performance in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. there's a character who both on this, on the fourth season of Argo has OCD and is a cop. And also, this season of Fargo is is as much as a network TV show can with a main character cop protagonist. They lean into a little bit of that that one three one two. Oh, good. That's what I need in my life. Because it's it's a it's a corrupt cop who basically is constantly being like told, "No, you work for for us. No, you work for us." You know, not nah, Buster. You work for us. I think that's what we need out of a Batman story, right? Like we need a Batman story where uh, Jim Gordon is a conditional ally of Bruce, or Bruce straight up yeah. tells like this would be something with a Robin. Like uh, I, I mean, like probably... I feel like you could do a lot of interesting stuff. Um, based have, how familiar are you with uh, Gotham? Fuck, is it Central? Um, I believe it's a series that Ed Brubaker did. That's just about like the Gotham Police Department, like day to day stuff, which it's. I think a show like that, if you made something like that, that if you did it badly, would quickly become propaganda. And yeah. even if you did it well, I feel like would be propaganda, which I hate because it's a really good. Ed Brubaker really knows how to write that stuff because he's also. This is someone who has a real interest in like pulp. Stories and even has a series that he does off and on that I think is called Pulp, or no, mm-hmm. Hard Boiled, I think. Sorry. But similar kind of idea, if you remember. Sorry, continue. Uh, or, like, I think, for instance, the show Gotham ha- is really big propaganda. Uh, or it has this idea. Yeah, no, no, here, uh, mm, yeah, no. Gotham's <laughs> propaganda almost in like the same way that the 60s show is almost low-key propaganda, in a sense. Like, he is rooting Um, out, like, police, like, corruption, but, like, the police as an institution still is, like, doing uh, bad shit in the real world. (laughs) That show is fascinating, because it starts out like a serious, almost cop procedural, like, tinged with that, you know? And then, by the end, it just becomes the most fucking absurd show, and there's, like, they're queer coding the Riddler. I don't. Did you know about that? I stopped watching Gotham after episode two. I have no. Here's the thing. I'm not watching it. I've just seen clips of it because it it gets so absurd that it, I, it's like it's 
it's hard to look away because it's so bad that it it becomes good. Do you know what my least favorite part of nerd media is? The need, not the fact of, of doing it, the need to just shoehorn fucking references everywhere. Yeah, instead where of, they don't need to be. Instead of like doing intelligent, I mean, I, creative things, they just say this character's Catwoman now. Yeah, well, I, what I would say is instead of doing things of how do I say this? Instead of like actually taking from stories and like making your own artistic decisions with them, like a show like Fargo does, like it takes a pre-existing yeah. property and it has illusions and it does do references. Like it goes, it has some really weird and deep references. Like I mentioned in the episode we did with Jake that the ice scraper and that money that is yeah. left, that is, like, it's a subplot that, like, isn't, like, outright stated, like, this is the same money, because, like, how would, like, that person never, whoever stole the money would have never interacted with Steve Buscemi's Carl Show Walter, you know? Like, that, I think, is, and you're doing it, like, as not even the main thing, but as a side thing of a side thing, within another side thing as just an aside if you look while you're watching the show, you know? But, like, the narrative around that is itself, like, confidently put together. The problem is someone like Zack Snyder doesn't really care for, doesn't really follow through um, on the thematics that he seems to be interested in, also the themes that he seems to be interested in are slightly fascistic. Which leads me to what I wanted to say about Legion, which is the anti-colonial colonialism stuff is kind of brought up and then i don't think the show ever fully how do i say this i don't think the show does a good job at having a main character who does a condemnable act and condemning that character for it but i also think it also forgives the character a little bit too much on certain things um so like just it's it's an imperfect show but i think it also does it tries to counteract things like it does show the main character like in the same sense of like how a lot of people talk about the the boys, but like at the end of season two, David kind of goes mad with power in a sense. Um, but unreal, not like a mental illness thing, but like truly like after being told you are a god, you can do whatever you want. That's... It's kind of like that. It's it's like he literally he's he's wearing only white and he's bathed in white light. Like he's, he's trying, he's actively trying to present himself like at a, as a Christ figure at that point. That's the thing that I feel like a lot of people don't understand about comics is that like, they're inherently fascistic in. Yeah. And then in season three, he's actually shown leading a cult just straight up. Like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's why when people are like, whoa, I Superman's the bad fascist person in like the boys, which like I haven't seen. I've heard good things. I just like I, mean, I sometimes boys, get annoyed with that stuff because it's like, have you guys read a Superman comic in like the past twenty years? Yeah, they. I <laughs> like it's, it's a that's show been that explored a lot. It's a really good show, but I don't think it. It's it's not the best show, but it's a really solid show. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think I don't hug. I think it takes some source material that isn't necessarily the best with, like, after having sat for a few years, um, 
you know, but I think it is a better adaption of Garth Ennis than, say, The Preacher Show was. I've heard good things about those graphic novels. They're a bit edgier for my taste yeah. is what I've heard, uh, but I I've mean, heard like, that they're written well. How do I say this? It's how do, One of the reasons why I think it's some of this stuff is like embarrassing looking back to an extent, and we're going to be stopping the segment soon, but yeah, is because of the fact, like, how do I say this? A thing like Preacher actually has this like interesting flashback of the main character uh, going to a Bill Hicks comedy show, and Bill Hicks is this interesting kind of like somewhat thought-provoking comedian. Um, it's really good, and it's a thing that works a lot, um, but also he does have a lot of cringe and does make a lot of like weird comments about like underage girls. And it's just not. It's 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 not great. Yes. And how do I say this? It's it's not the most. It's it's cringe. It's not the most cringe because he wasn't stuff like I don't think this person wanted to do that stuff. I just think he was kind of lazy with some of his comedy at times and went for some of some cheaper shots than if he had really like worked with material like done something thought provoking with his material that he did at times do. But it's the kind of thing where it's just like it seems like Garth Ennis was like influenced by stuff like that and it's easy to, to think why someone who's trying to be like edgy like that would be making decisions that aren't necessarily good for narrative purposes at times. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, the boys was his attempt to try and out Preacher Preacher. So this it it's really says a lot about the show that it's doing it better than Preacher did at like actually like presenting it in a way where it's not just a edgy 13 year old version of Superman. Yeah. I appreciate when, but it's not like the best version. I don't think it's not bright burn is what you're saying. Fuck you. (laughs) I think I hear, I think I hear, is that an MB parachuting in? Is that is that an MB parachuting in? Product. Okay, so Mikey, you've obviously explained why the parachute. We've moved past that. We all agreed to watch an episode of Legion together. Obviously, I don't know why I'm explaining this. Wait, why? Why would you need to? We 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 don't need to explain why I wasn't here for the earlier parts or why we already just... explained nah, it. If nah, it didn't get picked up, what? we why already just... explained it. If it but didn't I, get picked up on the tape recorder, you don't want me to explain these four pieces of paper that I have. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well. I guess I, I, I won't share my secret ethnic powers with you. Keep your secrets. Okay. But you, you know, know who isn't the two keeping their they, secrets? Uh, uh, the two things that they said, I'm glad you said secrets. <laughs> Keep your ethnic secrets. <laughs> you don't no, want I didn't my, say it. Let the record show I didn't say it. You don't want my, my power that says respect girl boss. 
Hey, I'm just shit posting about yeah, Lord of the Rings. Why yeah. did I think you were gonna say respect girl dick? I don't know why I thought you were gonna no, say that. that. I mean, you should uh, respect that's, that's you awesome know what? here. Famed but... scholar Amal Farouk once said, girl dick really do hit different, though. True. As that we were talking said. before we started recording yeah, again. I... This this bear that says Yahweh is a fuckboy because he took like six days to build the earth when it only takes four, and not even to build the earth, it takes a fucking handshake to build the earth. God damn it. Okay. The fuck are you talking about? Uh, so funny you mentioned God. Because what we're talking about is an episode <laughs> of Legion. And Legion is a, in what's in the Marvel world, more in the X-Men world, it, anyway, in the comics, Legion is considered is what is considered an Omega level mutant, which basically is a like mutant level god, basically. Oh, like uh, Iceman. I I do not remember, but there's uh, not that many characters that are Omega level mutants, and I don't even yeah. know if Wait, Iceman's I have Omega a, level. I have a really weird question. So, uh, Reed Richards is and Susan Storm are both mutates. Yeah, but, but is Franklin Richards a mutant? I think so, yeah. Because I know that, okay, my knowledge of Legion is that he's usually brought up with, like, your Franklin Richards and, like, characters like that where they're like, oh, oh they could just destroy everything if I they just right. thought really hard. Iceman yeah. is a fucking Omega-level mutant. You love to see it. Gay yeah. Omega level mutants. So, Legion is a character that I don't. I think people don't know what to do with a lot of the time because he's literally a character that could end the like, Boom! Franklin Richards! Um, but also, there's like one of the few times he, he had his own series, uh, which yeah. is in this X I mentioned this a few times X Men Legacy Legion, it's called. I'm not sure if it's mm -hmm. the best written series, but I do have it, and I do kind of like it. At the end of it, uh, spoilers for that, uh, but no context. He erases himself out of continuity, and I think he kind of was in and out of continuity, technically, until the X-Men world got, like, relaunched by Jonathan Hickman, and in that he's referenced on, like, a list of, like, Omega... There's, like, a list that's shown at one point of Omega level mutants, just kind of like as like this sort of Damocles, I think, if I remember correctly, over you of like there's all these problems that you know like Magneto and Professor X are trying to control, etc. Mm -hmm. But then there's all of these Omega level mutants that could just end the world if they had a bad day. Would you would you like an ex uh, uh, the list of Omega level mutants? <laughs> Iceman's How on there, right? Sure. Yeah. A.K.A. Uh, Bobby Drake, A.K.A. the one that we all called gay. A.K.A. Years. Bobby Fino. Oh, a friend of the show, technically. Get, the get on Wait, the podcast. What? Oh yeah, technically friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, technically friend of the show because Jer's a friend of uh of his show, and then uh, fucking Jake's a friend of our show. So by the fucking transitive property, both Hannah and Bobby are friends of the show. By the transitive True. property, you are trans. Fuck. True. I mean that's true. Uh, but fuck. 
Jamie Braddock, uh, also known as Monarch. Uh, Robert Drake, also known as Iceman. Joshua Foley, also known as Elixir. Jean Grey. Uh, yeah. I don't know why it has her listed as Marvel Girl, but okay. Yeah, that's her uh, original name. Yeah, but like that's not what people. Okay, Th- David Holler. Okay, so like uh, when they when they like reboot the X Men a lot of the time, they leave in the continuity that she used to be called Marvel Girl, and the Phoenix Force makes her Phoenix and Dark Phoenix, and she tries to return to the Marvel Girl persona. <sighs> I don't. Yeah, read continuity books, is a hell of a drug. I just I'm know sorry. this stuff. I, I continuity mm-hmm. is uh, my cocaine. Yeah, I was also going to mention at one point, and I guess I'll mention it now. Um, yeah. The thing that this episode reminded me of was kind of how Patrick described Patrick H. Holmes described in his most recent video on like um, gritty R-rated comic superhero yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, um, I this, saw. I, yeah, it reminded I me of watch it. what he talked about with Miss of Miracle Man, Alan Moore's Miracle Man, Ooh, yeah. where he calls it miserable to watch. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I say that as someone who loves this episode. I Oh, this is this hurt. So uh, it there, does. It hurts a was, lot. There was a point at the end of the episode where I was like, this is the future a liberal wanted. God and that it. liberal was past me. But and um, you see it was the suburban uh tune point three kids one. But to just quickly go back to why I even mentioned that, um, Miracle Man was at one point known as Marvel Man. Ah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he was basically a, a Captain Marvel ripoff. Uh, mm-hmm. Shazam. Who himself oh. had to change his name to Shazam. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so Captain Marvel as in Shazam and yeah, not Captain Marvel. He, he was Marvel. a kid who had a magic word that turned him into a superhero. Shazam! Except it wasn't Shazam. Don't be silly. It'd be silly. If it was can I joke steal real quick? Yeah, sure. You can steal all the jokes. Uh, I saw a TikTok recently, and it was uh, Superman and Batman talking uh, to Shazam. Uh, and basically the joke was that Bruce kept trying to adopt Billy Batson. <laughs> I mean, that would... Because he's like an not? orphan. Yeah, I, mean, I like do like... Red I do like how... Hair. <laughs> I do like how the Shazam movie kind of like had at like the that like adopted kind of family dynamic. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, it's a very comfortable movie. You know, you know what I need in the Batman that's coming out. Not in uh, this, but eventually, I want a movie with Robin that doesn't make Robin a joke. Like I, Dick Grayson is a good character, and like so, you know what. Uh, Here's what I, I would want say we don't Batman. have to go directly to Dick Grayson because we've we've done Dick Grayson a lot, but also live action Robins have been not great. It's just ah, we, there's there's so had, much comic stuff, and we've just not right. been making I think comic movies particularly competently. Oftentimes, in terms of like yeah, care, yeah. like actually doing stuff character wise, which is why I'm glad a show like Legion exists. So the thing. Sorry, the thing that I wanted to say real quick is that, like, what we need out of a Batman movie is we need to start, like, Batman with Jason Todd, and we have the dynamic with Dick Grayson as Nightwing. Then, like, in a movie or two, Jason Todd dies. Then we get Tim Drake. Then we have Red Hood. And then Red Hood can be compelling. Yes. Red Hood done... Sorry. 
the original comics they're fucking weird under the red hood honestly that movie is better than the comic run under the red hood <laughs> but my, my thing with jason todd is that i think he has potential to be like the most compelling robin and one of the most compelling comic book characters but he's yeah. mishandled all the time because he's an i feel the exact same way with damien yeah i i like damien i feel that way with every like, robin to be fair well, but guess what <laughs> what you know who I think writes both of those characters exceptionally well? Uh, uh, our, our non-binary friend? Yeah. I could say non-binary icon, uh, Grant Morrison. Uh, yeah, our, our non-binary friend, Grant Morrison. Non-binary mm-hmm. friend, Grant Morrison, should come on this non-binary podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, to try to redirect to the show. Gerard Way. Wait, uh, true. Oh, true. Uh, what was I going to say, uh, though? I, I had something to say about Robin oh. on film. Uh, in movies, we've only had two, right? Uh, Technically only one. Well, yeah, there's the but... one that was in uh, two movies, and then there was the one that wasn't... His name was Robin, but he's really going to be the new Batman. The joke was that his middle name was Robin, because Christopher Nolan hates Robin, and that makes me feel like Christopher Nolan doesn't really understand the character of Batman. That's my hot take for this episode. Christopher Nolan doesn't understand COVID-19 either. What? Oh, yeah, because he wanted everyone to go see Tenet while we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Because yeah. he's an asshole. To be fair, he did delay the release by like two weeks. And, weeks. But that was just Patrick and that's harassed. solely because of Patrick's video. Yeah, only because Patrick harassed him. Thank you, Patrick H. Willems, for your service. True. Um, but yeah, I did want to give some brief context, um, just as a reminder about that before I forget. Yeah, go for it. I don't. I didn't need to do that immediately. If y'all had something you wanted to say, no. Amy's a sister, right? Yes. I should have explained that, and also that's that's the context I wanted to give is about Amy. Go ahead. Alright, so this episode is is. So the reason why he's basically doing this is he's grieving because in universe, the episode before, I think, give or take, um, his sister was killed, spoiler, by the Shadow King and uh, another by half of Flight of the Concord, which is a whole other issue. But just know that the... Wait, which half? Jermaine uh, Clement. Oh, who cool. you briefly say, um, the vaguely um, Arabic, um, the, the Iranian-looking man who is, I'm pretty sure Iranian, who had sunglasses on in a cart, and then oh. there was a bearded Towards man. Towards the end of the episode? Yeah. Yeah. The, the vaguely uh, Middle Eastern them, ascetic guy. Yeah. So that is, that was them killing the sister, and this whole episode is basically him grieving in response to that and is is him inside of his own head basically this shit was depressing i yeah. love it i'm sorry i liked it i like most of it there was, was a part that did trigger me a little bit but that's not I, your fault that's that's the i forgot that, that was show. in this episode uh that's also okay. the first thing it's all it's the reason why i picked this episode because i thought they didn't show that that clip because they go back to it in a, in a lot of good entry points, because that is how the show Wait. kind of starts. Which clip do you think I'm talking about? 
the one with the extension cord. Oh yeah, you okay? You got it. Yeah, I. I that thought that hurt was the one that me. you were talking about too. And in context, it hurts worse because it's how do I say this? The extension cord is burned off of him because basically the Shadow King is just like, wait a second, no, I don't want to die. Like it's not. It's it's anyway. There's a whole weird, complicated sort of semi-father-son relationship those two have. It's weird. Sounds like it. Like it. Like it. Like it. Wait, you said that there's a father-son dynamic. The Shadow King kills his adopted sister. So yeah, I figured that's weird. Now, I don't I don't know if this was intentional, but like when he says mm. evil billionaire self, he has like the darker top hair and he has like the lighter uh like grayish sides and that reminds me of some uh some art of Magneto. I don't know if that was intentional or not. That would but be like that's I love that like look. He was fucking Jackson terrible. Look. Yeah. He looks like Andrew Jackson a bit. He's fucking terrifying. I love him. Uh, That's what, like, what I love about this is like part of the conflict is he's he basically has an uneasy alliance with a, this government group that occasionally, like when he gets cut in half by the sword, like the government group that's after him, they're called Division Three in the show. Um, mm -hmm. He has like this weird, uneasy alliance with them, but he's constantly worried they're gonna basically eat him. Yeah, um, and it's just it's an interesting thing that that's I don't know. Ah, sorry, continue. I love the just like the random instances of him having like a family. Yeah, uh, uh, and th that makes it hurt even more. Yeah, like, because, was it implied that his daughter was the one that cut him in half? Um, n n so that's a care. I did, okay, so there's a lot that I could explain, 
that is another minor character on the show who's actually cool. one of who is a very good, in my opinion, uh, native casting. Um, I'm um, Amber Midfunder, I think uh, is her name. Okay, uh, that's the Midfunder is the 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 fuck. Uh, Amber Midfunder, yeah. Uh, good native casting should have been the Native American character in Fargo season four. Don't ask. I, I was, I forget. Was she originally like supposed to be that role? Uh, was she in season four at all? I don't think so. Uh, then I could probably because if she isn't in there, although, um, I not sure you see this guy, but there's a character. Uh, Jeremy Harris, who plays Leon, who is the one who is the bodyguard for uh, Chris Rock's son, that is one of the um, kind of side characters on Legion too. So it would have been really cool if we could have gotten Amber Thunder in the show. She was supposed to be in that, and season four is all I that know. I it, know. That would have been so cool. It, it was uh, probably going to be that character because that's the only character uh, that would make sense. For I her just, play. I, yeah. she's so good in Le- like she she is one of the most kick-ass fight scenes in Legion, and it's not it's it's a straight up fight scene and it's so cool. They in universe ad hoc justified using the actress they used though so. I, I know it's and I, also it still was a good performance, but it's I true. Agreed. This would have been a better performance, I still think. Yeah. Balance. Also representation. But yeah. also representation I, mattered a lot. I I'm also a little bit like shaky on this one because also I, I don't want to say take this role away from an Asian American actress. Yeah. You know? Uh yeah. I just wish he hadn't played so many and I can kind of understand why maybe thinking you're native, going for a lot of native roles, especially when other people think you look kind of like a native. But I don't, it just, it skeeves me out when that's been a lot of what her, like, filmography is, or at least a lot of her known roles. Like, she's also known for playing, I believe, a native on a show, Yellow, on the show Yellowstone. Yep. Um, 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 where she and, has, she has, has sex scenes where she's basically dressed in it. I do not like oh, that. Like 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 Make it stop. It's stop. like it's like oh. hot. Oh. Like, oh. like, oh. like oh. Okay, but you know what? How well they show the one scene. Wait, what? What one scene? The one scene uh, with the cops where he's mentally ill and they're being pieces of shit because yeah. he's mentally ill. That seems yeah. scarily oh. accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck. God damn it. I can't remember the, the... God, I hate not remembering names of people who tragically died at the hands of the police. Um, <sighs> you started to lose Ken after a while. Okay, there was the case where it was... I believe it was the person's therapist or social worker. Mm-hmm. Who was in the uh, street with their hands up, right? Yes, and they both had their hands up and they still gunned down the dude. What is his fucking name? God damn it. I, I can't forget know. it, but it's just. I hate That's everything. what this reminded me of. Yeah. Because I believe he was. I, 
He was either autistic or schizophrenic, and I cannot remember which one. I think it was autistic. Yeah, I think it was. I'm cringing. And uh, in my neck of the woods, someone got shot while they were having a mental breakdown because they shot a not shot uh, aimed a vape at the cops. Yeah, they. The, on- I the only defense is that it kind of looked like a gun, but also even then, what the fuck? I found it. Uh, yeah. Also, I just I am not a fan of the whole um, the empty the cliff um, center mass put them down mindset. Yeah. I, a lot of people I know don't. Also, think I'm explicitly that framing like talking. saying that the way that I've heard it said to me. Anyway. Yeah. No, a, a lot of people I know don't know that cops are taught to do things like that. They're, mm, they're not taught. They're they're taught I mean, like, like pseudoscience I can understand, about body language. I can understand too. someone explaining like, like, but here's why: because you'll you'll never know, and you're putting people at risk. Because it, but I I would disagree with that. I because it, it, it's it's under the assumption that everyone who would engage in like a firefight with law enforcement is like going into that as like some kind of like to quote Hillary Clinton, a super predator. Yeah, I uh, my, my my thing is that I, I I see that argument is like logically coherent but wrong, you know. Yeah, it's but all, and logically also like coherent if it a has lot no of, nuance. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm forget I'm forgetting the name of the like the training that this kind of is attached to, but uh, fuck, there's a behind the bastards episode that. on it. Yeah, uh, I think killology. Kill all, um, yeah, that's it. What it's called, killology. But, a clip that's played during that is a veteran, hat like with PTSD, like doing a, you know. I I was also. And they play that, and it's just like when you when you're making law enforcement to go into every interaction thinking, this is who could be who you're dealing with right now. Every single person is this yeah. potentially. Um, Especially if they're brown. Um, yep. Uh, so, uh, so Charles Kinsey was the man. Uh, on July 18, 2016, Charles Kinsey, a mental health therapist, was shot in the leg by a police officer in North Miami, Florida. Kinsey had been retrieving his 27-year-old autistic patient uh, who had run away from his group home. Police encountered the pair while they were searching for an armed suicidal man. Kenzie was laying on the ground with his hands in the air and trying to negotiate between officers and his patient when he was shot. The officer who shot Kenzie said he was been aiming at the patient who the officer believed was threatening Kenzie with a gun. Both Kenzie and his patient were unarmed. Uh, and then following, Kenzie was handcuffed and left bleeding on the ground for about 20 minutes, and the officer was eventually... Uh, arrested in 2017, charged with attempted manslaughter and negligence, found guilty of culpable negligence uh, one day after being found guilty, was fired from the police force, was sent to probation, and required to write a 2,500-word essay on policing. Like, he got okay. detention. Up, up until that ending, I was I was saying, good, 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 good. No! He ultimately served a total of five months of probation before being released. Uh, but Kinsey did uh, reach a settlement uh, of an uh, undisclosed amount with I, uh, through federal lawsuit. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, go for uh, it. That five months is uh, the reason that cops kill so many people, by the way. 
because if they do shoot them in the leg and it's found out that they were just being negligent and stuff, they get they do get some consequences, but never enough. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's and, a big problem. And I I like that this episode obviously shows a problem with how we treat people who are mentally ill. <laughs> and just I, I, I like that this episode is critical of the police and doesn't show them in a positive light. They're automatically like reaching to like fuck with him. They like pulled yeah. out their guns right away. Yeah. And he like obviously worked there. Yeah. I it, it was it was somewhat maddening to watch I'm because sorry. it's so simple. But it was really good. Uh I enjoyed it a lot. It was yeah. a very good representation of that situation. It's just that situation itself is very maddening. <laughs> That makes uh, sense. Oh, fuck. This is uh, an episode about Legion, but, like, because Noah Hawley works on Fargo, the show Fargo comes up, and because you recorded the episode on Fargo recently, uh, I'm also thinking about the movie Fargo for some reason. That's okay, go valid. on. Now, I, I, I heard the word representation. And then I, I just thought about how, like, yeah. it is important to have, like, representation, even if it's not, like, a perfect version of it. Like, as long as it's realistic to the people yeah. that would experience that. I don't... My, my brain's in weird places. Shep could have been represented worse. He could have been an alcoholic. I mean, to be fair, there's no evidence that he's not an alcoholic, but I wouldn't mind if... It, even if he was an alcoholic, I wouldn't. That wouldn't bother me as long as it wasn't made into a humor thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the, that sorry. is an issue that yeah. is in the Native American community. Yeah. Also, the best character in season two of Fargo is the Native American great, one. Yes. Zane something. He gets a haircut. That's bad what? luck. He gets a haircut, right? Yep. Wait. That's bad did luck. Did I send that clip or I forgot? No, I I I've, I've watched a video essay that and didn't pay attention. Just heard things about haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, the Native American gets a haircut? I sure hope also, he's not from my tribe. Finally enough. Bad uh, luck. I mentioned in the uh, Fargo episode that Steve Buscemi is in a movie called Mystery Train, and I said he plays a dentist. I corrected myself. I'm not sure how audible that is. He doesn't play a dentist. He plays a barber, and Same thing. bad stuff just happens. It's just like a bunch of bad stuff just happens. He's like just a good guy, and bad stuff just keeps happening around him. Yeah. Uh I feel like that is Steve Buscemi, and that's why he looks like that. <laughs> and it's a baby It's kind of funny looking. How so? Ah, you know, just in a general sense. Do we have a... How do you figure, eh? Just in a general type way, eh? Oh. Are you going to the this weekend? Oh, you betcha. Oh, heck. <laughs> Bottom text, eh? This is just actual 
That, that's just two Minnesotans talking about uh, Snoop oh. Shimmy. Oh, heck. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Okay, um, is there anything else on this about this episode that anyone wanted to bring up? I'm trying to think of other stuff, because I did really like this. I'm trying to think of, like... Um, I, I like the music in it. I think I incorrectly oh, was, uh, identified... Awesome. It's actually the last song, the I Am Superman, uh, which yeah. famously was covered by... It wasn't written by, but it was covered by uh, R.E.M. on Life's Rich Pageant in, from 1986, I believe. And it's actually, so the music on it is by Jeff Russo, who of course does the score for the show, which I think the score for the show is really good. Um, yeah. But There's a third Russo the vocals there? on it are by the creator and writer of the show, Noah Hawley. Flip can sing? Flip can sing. Flip uh. recorded like a, like a full to almost two albums worth of covers for the show. Good job, Flip. But what was that song where it was like, uh... Slave to Love, I think, and I'm pr- I think it's by Brian Ferry. There's also a song before that that I'm forgetting. There's a song where it's like anti-rich, and I love it. I can't think of it. Uh, tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there ain't no rich no more. Yeah! Slave to love. Slave to love. That shit slapped. That was pretty like, epic. Was, was that the mouse that sang? No, was, it wasn't the mouse. It was uh, during a sequence where we see uh, the homeless version of it. Yeah, it's a I homeless person. I will find person. this song because it's very good. And then there's the mouse singing like a love song. That is what Slave the to fuck? Love. What the fuck was that? That, that was, was Slave to Love. That was No, uh, but what, why was a mouse singing? Because I think that's an example of like, like a, an a, like a hallucination kind of thing. Yeah, I I thought like that sequence was gonna like... end. Sorry. Sorry. No, you. I was gonna say that I felt like that sequence was gonna end with him like stabbing the fucking mouse with the pencil or some shit. Like I thought it was just gonna get really fucking dark. I think I... it's just like kind of like a like it's just a a moment that you just sit with where it's not like. It's like, it's the tension of, it's the, the tension from the almost absurdity of it, you know, like, how it's just this still moment, and then just all of a sudden you have just a mouse that's in your, like, like, I can imagine just, like, the events are just, like, through the mundanity of it. Yeah. Like, you're, you're hearing a song in your head, and then it becomes a mouse singing it, especially if you're someone like David. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really liked, um, this, it visually looks fucking amazing. Uh, whether it is the framing of some shots, I really like it. Does a lot of good visual storytelling without. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, specifically the color palette in a couple spots is really good. Uh, like when he's leaving the car at the end of the episode, uh, and you have that top-down view of the car, and it's like this black with this like like I, I loved it. baby blue from like the late from like the early 60s late 50s yeah. type and it's just oh it looks so this, good this show also does really good shirt and costume design and there yeah. was this through line in the first season where um like david's emotional state was being tracked through his shirt 
like oh, like Sheldon. Like it would be pointed. Like in one episode, there's this giant arrow pointing over his shoulder, and there's a scene where someone who's manipulating him is like standing right where the arrow is pointing at. And like that's some like things, right like, shit. Yeah. Did, I love that um, shit. Did Noah Hawley just watch a lot of Coen Brothers movies? I don't know, but probably. But there's a really so the song that y'all mentioned earlier is another song that uh, Noah Hawley sang. Hell um, yeah! Because and it's another cover that's a part to go back to how much music he recorded with Jeff Russo. It's a cover of a Ten Years After song called "I'd Love to Change the World." Which was yeah. written about on, for the week on the Wikipedia page, the confused state of the world, and it references like Vietnam. It came out in 1971. Of course, great it did. stuff. That ain't me. I ain't a Sanderson. It's good that song. There's also there is they. I'm pretty sure he did do a a, a Creedence Clearwater recital song. Ooh. For the show. But which one? Um, now I have to watch the whole show just to hear that. Um, I hope it's one of the ones that the bassist wrote. <laughs> Let's check. I what? hope you take it as a friend. So, like, one of, like, 5% of all of Credence Clearwater, like, Credence's fucking music? Because uh, most of it was written by John. Yeah, no, uh, m- almost all of John. it was written by John Fogel the, uh, with a little bit of help from his brother. And then his brother left the band. Yeah. And the drummer had to write like a third of the songs. The bass had to write like a third of the songs, and he wrote is like this, a third of the songs. Is this and is that's when, how the band broke up. Yeah, because John wanted to leave. Yeah, because he was going through a divorce. Yeah, and he wanted to. He started writing his own shit. Yeah. Uh, that that whole shit's really complicated. Uh, I'm trying that to. That is true. I love how it's. May I be an art nerd for a second? Uh, it's a very modernist way to tell a story where you have. Uh, it keeps jumping forward and back in time, and you have all of these different realities, and so you see things that happen in a timeline that you don't understand the context of it yet, and then you see. Um, so, for instance, the billionaire. You see him at the beginning, and you're like, "Oh, this is some rich." Bojack Horseman house have an ass. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought when I saw that house. I'm like, is this the Bojack Horseman's house? Um, Lip? But... <laughs> wait, wait, that that actually does track making it it because Gilbert's house is Bojack's house, and <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um. So, you see that, and you're kind of like, you're wondering, as like a, a viewer of the art, you're like, huh, I, I wonder why this is shown. And then you have that sequence where it's the boardroom, and he's giving coffee, and he informs the woman that, like, uh, that the people are lying to her. And I really like that scene. And then uh, you have the billionaire segment where... Like, he says, I'm about to, like, she tells him he's about to become the richest man. And you see that, like, that's the person that that innocent, like, shy person became. That innocent, Uh, shy person who just helped someone out. 
Yeah, and who, like, felt the need to help someone out ends up being this exploitative piece of shit billionaire. That's capitalism, baby. Yeah. Uh, and it was just... There's a lot of stuff like that in the episode where you have things that are given to you, uh, given a context, and then it gets recontextualized with new information uh, that came before that in the story, and it's all out of sync. It's very modernist, and I fucking love that shit. It's... Uh, that's so good. So I love good. that. So I love good. that. Are you gonna fuck it? Um, what if I could? What if I could? What if I could? What if I could? Are you gonna use a condom? That's a that's a that's a conversation for me and modernist art to have. Welcome back to another great. Welcome back to another episode of Sounds Great, but can I fuck it? And we're here with our host, Mikey Mike, PP, coming the pants. That's true. This isn't your turn. Oh, man. God of whiskey, Patronus. So anyway, so what I was thinking is, okay, what if they put olive oil on their dicks? I added that. How did I know what you were thinking? I love the way your fucking sick brain works, you fucking freak. And then, then we have we have a waiter come over and ask you if they want some uh, fresh cracked pepper upon the cock. Exactly, Malachi. Thank you for that amazing clip. <laughs> and then they pepper their cocks, and then they upon suck the, the cock. cock. Upon the cock. And then they eat the da, pussy, da, da, and then they da, suck da, the dick. Da, 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 da. Wait, Upon no, that's dark. a poem what the fuck that is some this idiot wrote. Isn't this an emotionally charged episode? Yes. Yeah, it's called distressing through comedy. It's called. Uh, <laughs> it's called. I just woke up an hour ago and jumped out of an airplane after going on a spirit quest for half an hour. Exactly. Hey, aren't y'all glad that we finally had Jake on the podcast? Oh yeah, that's true. True. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty epic. Yeah. Jake's Batman, by the way. What? <gasps> no, it's Cornman and Cobbin. God damn it. <laughs> um, I'm going to look for the socials. <laughs> okay. Cornman and Cobbin fan art win? Um, but, Wait. You know. Okay. Aesthetically, I think... Ronnie is Dick Grayson. Yeah, I mean. Also, mixed race Dick I, Grayson. I mean, I I can see I can see them at times as being stylized towards Jason Todd. Same. Or or Damien, I can see that too. I see um, myself as Tim Drake, but that's because I hate myself and I don't like Tim Drake that much. He's my least favorite. He's the least interesting to me. But I don't hate anyone who likes uh-huh, him. We got him. Wait, did we got Tim, them? Didn't Tim Drake's friend do a weed, and that's what what the problem was and one of the issues? Was that? I, I thought that was Jason. It's entirely possible something shitty like that happened. But also, like, I, there there have been times where I think Tim Drake has been screwed over in terms of like character, like character wise, uh, or not. Not that's a bad way of framing. I don't think he's been given. Uh, the kind of justice I think he deserves as a character, and I, I think agree. he's been written aside and like at times just I don't know. I I think 
there have been times at certain like big events maybe have like left bad impressions um particularly like something like identity crisis you know it seems like like identity crisis is big i'm like brad Meltzer, who wrote it was i think more of like a traditional novelist and it's let's do something serious in comics you know and serious is it's miserable. It's it's a miserable read, I would argue at times. Um, but also, I don't think it's miserable in the way like this, where I think this is also artistically fulfilling to watch. And it, yeah, I would. This episode to me is almost inspiring, like how it's put together, like the way, oh like, yeah, just how how much stuff is going on at one point. Oh. In time. Like the pacing like this, alone is fucking can, can phenomenal. I say like this is also big a big influence on like how I edit. I this episode had me like scrolling back because I missed something and like if I'm scrolling back because I missed something that says something because I objectively watch films wrong. What? Because when I, you say you objectively watch films wrong, what do you mean? I we've been over this. I'm often looking at my phone. Okay, that's how most people in the 21st century oh, no, watch true. their movies. But I'm, to be fair, I'm often reading about the film I'm watching while listening to the film because that's how focusing and learning works for me for some reason. You would like Prime Video. <laughs> it's because <laughs> the they extra, just give you yeah. facts. Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah, I that that mm, there there's a. Re- Okay, so if I could have the movie on one monitor and the facts on the other monitor, that would be so dank. Not yeah, gonna lie. I agree. But you know what? 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 It's time to end the episode. True. Oh, wait, we did talk about the Clockwork Orange references. Oh, Those were yeah, fucking God cool. I just saw... Oh, they've done a lot of sequences inside of the hospital... So how do I say? There is another element of that moment is the first time you saw, like that. It's that is from the main content, like the main thing of the show, of him going yeah. into the mental hospital for the first time, and um, it's just it's a really powerful moment, and we've already talked about you know that, but. Um, Wait, did you only bring the, an hour's worth of tape? Okay, the thing that I wanted to say real quick about Clockwork Orange references uh, is the fucking... The people who are supposed... What, what are they called? The Dobbies, I think is what they're credited uh, in the subtitles as? Or something like that? It's some shit like that. Uh, uh, I can check. Wait, are you talking in the in the Legion? The yeah. The people who mess with the homeless version. Of yeah, the and they they speak in a very very clockwork orange fashion. I love. I I kind of like because okay, because the theme of like clockwork orange is like how violence is perpetuated through media and whatnot, and the film is just a critique on how violence is shown in media and especially like oh, horrific clock. violence. Uh, and that- so the idea of having. The representatives of a previous generation of horrific violence being wiped out in a single action by this character is just—I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's just it's just cool to me. And I, like it, it makes me feel like a nerd, like the good yeah. type of nerd. It's this, just like, oh, I just appreciate this thing. The, the movie also... A Clockwork Orange is a crime. Go on. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Yeah. That um, that that movie's. Ooh. Adapt the yeah, last no. chapter, you coward. Exactly. I I like that movie, but like I understand every single criticism of it and why exactly. people don't watch Same. it. Okay, what were you saying, Jerf? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, no, that's okay. Um, so it's basically him just getting taken advantage of and trying not to. And I just, I just, I don't. I'm rambling. Sorry. Not fine. You said that you were looking for the socias, but uh, I, I didn't know that we were. Well, someone said that we were going to end. You said you were looking for the socias. I'm still here with these pieces of paper that just say very basic shit. That, well, to okay, me. Okay, what did the piece of paper say, Uwu? Yeah, one of them says, uh, yeah, your, your white man god is a fuckboy. Uh, okay. Earth only takes a fucking handshake to make forehead. Why'd you take so uh, long? Uh, there's another piece of paper that says, girl bosses are better than boy bosses, Uwu. Uh, and very liberal take. Uh, no, it, it's it's not a liberal take so much as it is a mystical uh, pre-liberal take that that thinks that people with vaginas specifically uh, have magical powers. Uh, That's and, sexist. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but just wanted to make sure I wasn't. But also, you know. Thousands of years old. Uh, and here's a piece of paper. This says, uh, eat the cactus, forehead. And here's another piece of paper. that says, the number four is sacred, forehead. Uh, also, do drugs. And get um, white blood of Texas? Exactly. Anyway. So wait, are you saying that an orgy could be if like... For instance, we had a party house, and I'm fucking two rooms over, and you're just eating food. No, but this. almost. <laughs> it would be more like if we had a party house, and you're fucking, uh, and okay, you're having a threesome in the corner, and Jerf and I are talking about it while eating hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I think I you're. I'm like losing track of what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Are we ready to end the episode? I think so. Wait, you found but the social it's medias? Like it's, it's a thing of like, uh, it, there's like a waiter who's like, he takes a call from and it's like not a hostile interaction necessarily in the book and he like throws change at the person for laughs and it like really bothers me because there's other stuff in it too that's like, like it's just like, I don't know where the fuck this stuff even came from. Although, anyway. They made um, but Madura I did find Thompson the social media. And it did say, bag. and it says, um, Mikey, why why you me, you fuck? <laughs> you fuck, you fuck, you fuck you. Fuck, fuck you. I or, fuck? No, me? No, defeater? No, wait, huh? Why am I still writing this note? Google Notes, please stop. Wait, why are you still recording this? No, please stop recording this. I said stop to. No, why are you... No, okay, I'll just press the... And that's where the transcript ends. <laughs> and that's our ads?
But shout out to the theater. True. And for more confused rambling takes from Jerf, you can follow me at at Jeff Jerfson. And for more valid ass mixed takes of queerness, you can follow at Ronald Alley 2. Although the real name is Mikey. And when I say 2, I mean the Arabic numeral 2. Because we are communalists. Give me some rope. Uh, Wait a second. Nope. <laughs> that Abort. Right. Abort. Yes, please. Abort. Abort. abort me, please. No, abort me, Buster. Uh, also, uh, I, uh, I gotta say something about the freak power thing. It does look like a Chicano movement version of a of a black power symbol. Yeah. So I like it, but I understand why someone might think, what? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I think it's one of the most badass things that I've seen, but, like, the more that I learned about, like, peyoteism, I kind of thought it was cringe. I mean, like, there's, there's a lot of cringe, like, also, and I think someone like Father John Misty has, like, done a good job of making fun of it in one of his songs as well. I'm, I forgot which one it is. You're but, talking um, specifically. Ayahuasca like... is similar to this. Um, how people like white people fetishize yeah. ayahuasca and the ceremonial aspect of it, you know. I gotta say, as a literal descendant of the people who invented peyoteism, peyoteism is based. White people doing peyote is cringe. But weapon if well, I do it, you, you can, with not, you. can you say peyoteism? Because I don't think inherently white well, yeah, people doing peyoteism. peyote is cringe. Well, yeah, but, well, it's peyoteism, but usually when people like yeah. say they did peyote, they don't just mean they did masculine. They mean that in their mind they've gone. I like... just okay. Listen, masculine is a green, and I am a no, healthy I, person. Here, it's white people doing peyoteism without guidance and permission that from means, people yeah. who are no. I, I I get that. Also, I, no one's gonna appreciate my joke. I I I gotta leave. Oh, okay, wait. fine. Good night, you fuck. Wait, what's your what's your uh? Wait, at? Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, at N B by Malachi E N B Y B I M A L A C H I. Okay, goodbye, bye, bye. I'm Podcast sorry. Podcast is at C C N C F M. Yeah, get the fuck out of my well. Patreon. Out of my well. Patreon.com slash C C N C. Get the fuck out. Okay. No. Bye. Fuck you. you. You're valid.